Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, I bet there's somebody right now who could make you blow a gasket, right? Maybe a coworker or a neighbor who borrowed stuff and never brought it back. How about a total stranger driving out in front of you right now? And if none of those make you mad, maybe your child or your spouse. Coming up on the show, we're talking about controlling our temper. Up next, after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. U.S. officials are confirming a drone strike in Pakistan has taken out seven potential militants, including the Pakistani Taliban's second-in-command. The attack is the first drone strike since President Obama outlined scaled-back drone operations last week. Former Republican presidential nominee Michelle Bachman announced today she will not seek re-election to her Congress seat next year. Bachman is also facing charges claiming her campaign stole email addresses from an Iowa homeschool organization. Republicans in the House are asking Attorney General Eric Holder to clarify his testimony regarding the targeting of journalists in a leak probe. Holder's sworn statement is supposedly in contrast with media reports. Unapproved genetically modified wheat has been found growing on a farm in Oregon, according to an agriculture department official. The strain was developed years ago by the biotechnology company Monsanto, but was never approved for U.S. growth and consumption. A new study has found women are the main or sole primary earners in 40 percent of homes in the U.S. However, attitudes about the working women are still split. The study also reveals half of the respondents think children are better off with non-working mothers. In world news, Afghan insurgents are continuing to target aid organizations in the country. A Red Cross office was the target of a suicide bombing today, which killed at least one guard. British officials confirmed today they are holding over 80 Afghans in an army base for the last 14 months without officially charging them. The admission comes as President Obama continues to push his close to close the Guantanamo Bay prison, which holds men in similar circumstances. The first same-sex marriage ceremony in France was held today as 500 guests cheered. However, protests for and against the new policy allowing same-sex couples to wed continue throughout the country. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you some tools, a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. And uh, I'm so mad, sick of it. Sorry, just have to get it out of my system. Today, we're talking about temper tantrums. Temper, do you have one? Uh... You know what? A lot of people have them. And today they're doing a special test for me because we're doing a show on temper management, anger management. They decided to change out the entire software system that runs all of our show. Is that right? Is that what we're doing, boys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it also started at, I don't know, what, nine? Does nine, it say nine? Nine this morning. Nine this morning. Our show is at three o'clock our time. Yeah. It's um, a big install. Just, just saying good window in there. <laughs> Just saying. Nice, big, well, fat well, window. But to be fair, when we took the five-gallon sports cooler and poured it all over the equipment just to kind of test the yeah. temper of the engineering staff, I think that well, I think that it's the marshmallows. I think it's the marshmallows and the Skittles that Skyboy eats. Not that he does, hypothetically. 
That's Skyboy. You're you're all quiet because you've already been through one show with this. Yeah, I had to actually run a show off the PC, the last show, Talkworthy. You're talking. And now now I don't we even have. Know what you're talking about. Now we have this all set up, so you have it nice and easy. Is this mad. nice? Yeah. So I don't need to be mad. No, you just have to keep doing <sighs> what you do. Well, I wanted to like throw a diva fit. You can. What do you call a male diva? A devo. Yeah, that's a band. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Don loves devo. Um, I, do you call him? Uh, what do you call Don? Not Don. You need to know that Don would know that. What do you call a male diva? He's trying to figure it out. It's not a devo. That's a band. It's a like a Pavarotti is a. You don't know. I bet your mic doesn't even work. Yeah, I don't think the mic in there works, which is why Sam had to use. Well, that's rude. Read the news well, in Don, here. get in here and let us know. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to throw a fit today on our temper show, and I thought I had a reason because what's it called? Wide Orbit? Hey, so what, what's a male diva? I, I'm trying to think of this. Like uh, a Pavarotti is yeah. a prima donna. The, the, a prima donna. Is that is what it's the first called? Lady. Well, you're the, you're the, it's the Italian. I need your. But I don't know where diva comes from. Diva, uh, I think it's Mariah Carey. Is it? I think she, she coined the that. phrase. Yeah. She's a diva. So diva? Just, it's a Bieber. <laughs> He's a prima donna. <laughs> prima donna would be the first Don. Yeah. Like, so like I, don. It'd, be, it'd be Don. Like a Don, like, yes. like in the mafia, Don. Yeah, yeah. The first Don. Don Corleone. It sounds, like a, it sounds like an army movie. First Don. But it's not. It's prima donna. So uh, I'm not going to have to throw a fit today, apparently, huh, Don? No. No. Kudos to the... Brave and courageous engineering. Can you notice? Do you just notice that one of us is really not very happy, yeah. and the rest of us are pretty kicked back and relaxed? Can you yeah. see which one it is? Yeah, it's Skyler. It's Sky. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> your cape's all ruffled. What's up, Sky? Did you have a temper tantrum? I had a huge temper tantrum. <gasps> Perfect I was throwing timing. Papers everywhere. Were you going? You went crazy. I went crazy. That's why my cape's all wrinkled and it's got the rip right there. <laughs> yeah, who tore your cape? I did. Uh, maybe you need a better cape. It's even fits a you singe better. mark there, I see. Yeah, he got fried. Or it's a melt. Did actually. it really melt down? Because when Kim Stilson, Powers Stilson, was walking out, she's like, good luck. <laughs> Break a leg. <laughs> was that her show that you did? Yeah. That's no, it, it went it went, it went. well. It went pretty smoothly. It's pretty smooth. I mean, engineering, yeah. they've been working on it all day. Yeah. Don was dreaming about this all night. Yeah. This is actually a common radio nightmare is you walk into the studio and all the buttons are changed. Oh, yeah. You're ready. To, and the song is ending. You ha- you know you have to talk, and you can't find out what you press yeah. next. Where was that button? I have yeah. no idea how to do this. Do you know that I don't touch the buttons at all, yeah. Don? Yeah. So you like, met, I, I stay away from them. Have I you ever want... touched one, though? What? Have you ever touched one of these buttons? I, not, I have never knowingly touched was, a button. I was about to say touch anymore. I think I've, that would be I've the reached qualifier. around once and I grabbed something, but I don't turn the whole system off. Yeah, right? yeah. I didn't. You shouldn't have the power button you, right no, there. If you, reach he it. just reached his finger around and he almost pressed the delete button. I watched it <laughs> right then again, right there I, again. But I wouldn't touch it. You guys have got temper problems. That's why we're doing the show on it. I'm a prima donna. I I have a doctorate. Sorry to go there, but I just have to trump you one more time. Well, thanks, Don, for fixing it. Seriously, that's a big deal, and I wish I could have been more a part of this. Well, we did it for you, Matt. See? Goodness, that's good. Everybody give Don a hand, because that's really cool, because that's a polite hand right there. Um, Tempers. Don, do you have a temper? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're about to leave? No, do you have it? Like, I have a temper. Like, I don't like to show it, Uh but you mess with my kids. Oh, yeah. 
Someone's going to die. Oh, yeah. And my wife will get to you first. And once yeah, she's beat you to a pole, bear, then yeah. I'm on you. Oh, yeah. Once you're weakened, you you're bleeding, you're mine. <laughs> uh, have you ever been to a game, a ball game of one of your kids where a dad or parent went out of control? Uh-huh. That's, that's not pretty. That's not pretty. No. I had a parent go off. I was the basketball coach. Had a dad freak out on one of my kids. The dad was, I don't know, 6'4". The kid that was playing on my team when he was 12 was 6'4". And then I waddle out there at 5'10". And I'm just like, hey, can't we all be friends here? Pal, what's up, dude? Anyway, it wasn't pretty. But parents, they got to get control of their temper. Yeah. So does Skyboy. You know, and some people have very visible temper. I think mine is a little bit more the the smoldering underneath type thing. You're a silent steamer. Yeah. Until it explodes. Until it explodes till I go postal. And then, whatever they call it hey, now. let's talk about temper for a minute because yeah. you drove cross country with the, your missus. Yeah, how was cross that country driving? Now that I mean it's a it's a long okay because if you're not with her every day all day, mm-hmm. that's that's enough to get the steam and going. That's you know that's true. They they say that the real test of a marriage is to build a house together or mm-hmm. something like that or cross country. Pro- probably driving across the country ten hours a day. Uh-huh. You know, in a Prius. In for a Prius. Our, I mean, of all things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what? That, that, that you had to fill it. up once though, right? <laughs> In the well, when we got home, yeah. I bet you were so mad. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, so did it – you were good, all calm, nobody died? Nobody died. And, and you know, that, that actually is true because that's the prime place. I, I can get testy, especially if I can't get my tunes going or something. I was listening to Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Did you hear that guy at three? Oh, at three Mountain Time. You know, I got so mixed up that I was listening to somebody at five or – Oh, well, know, yeah. 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 yeah there's he this, was good. He, there's a really good guy. Is he? Yeah. Nobody yeah. seems to think so but the guy, which I find rude. Is he a doctor? He's a doctor, and he has a friend that wears a cape named Skyboy. I'll have to listen to him. I didn't really catch him. Are, are we friends? Are we to that point yet? Did you not listen to yesterday's show? I I was engineering it. I don't know if I was listening to it. That's the point, Skyboy. Okay. When you're here, you may as well listen. I'll try. I, I'm this close to going <laughs> off. I'm going to go off. That's our goal, to get you to express your temper. <sighs> You'll never see it. No, nope. they medicate me for my temper. <laughs> I'm pretty calm now. That's I medication, care. M&M's? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They make friends. Yeah. Also, Matt, I don't know if you know, but today's Don's birthday. What? I, was I hoping, didn't know. I was hoping somebody would bring that did up. You do, did you change the whole <laughs> system gonna lose for temper, your birthday? So had to... Is it your birthday? Yes. Did you want us to do something? Uh, we, well, I, that's why I came in here. I actually came in just to see if you guys had done anything. Well, you know what is amazing? Rob's <laughs> here, and Rob likes to always sing to our guests. Uh, to make sure we had uh, – see if we'd done anything to make sure we hadn't so he could leave yeah. safely. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, well, here we are. No, so, I, I actually – I was usually I pretty successful notice. at hiding that fact. And then came, along came Facebook. And I know. Suddenly it's like, I need to look at Everybody in the world. More. Hey. So you're, you're 46. Oh, come on, man. Five thirty-nine. You look great. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> you, you look hammered, Don. <laughs> if you're thirty-nine, you look horrible. No, you don't. You really Stop. look good. Stop now. You're forty-ish. Uh, any I'm wisdom? So not going to tell you. What? Words of birthday wisdom. You've been. You've got. Uh, you've had. You have a lot of kids. You've done a lot. You're highly successful. You own a Prius, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. I mean, what could be better? Teach us. Give us uh, one bit of advice as the young see. bucks on okay. the street. Words of wisdom from, from a 30 plus. Within my brain. Um, forgive everyone. Forgive yeah. yourself. Cool. Forget yourself and remember 
everybody else. That's good. Think about that for like an hour. Forgive. Yeah. Forget. Remember. And and remember everyone else. That was good. That's really good. I just invented that. Well, I think it's brilliant. And a lot of it has to do with memory, which you'd think would be a problem at your age. What did I say? Hmm? Because I don't even already remember what you said. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Forgive everyone. That's really brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Forgive everybody else. Get yourself. But then forgive yourself because I often do that. You know, you work on forgiving other people, but then then you are real hard on yourself. So forgive yourself. And then get over it. Forget yourself and help everybody else out. You're good. It's like you knew we were going to do this. Well, I actually am auditioning for your little tour you do. I want to be your opening act. I would love that. You could be our music. You could be our (laughs) music guy. Hey, everybody. Hey, coming to you live. (laughs) Well, Don, you're the best. Happy birthday. Thank you. And um, Rob, get him some marshmallows. He's got, we got that's yummy his, marshmallows. That's his private stash. Don't I know. mess with those. Rob doesn't let him he in the studio. He will go off on you. That's right. I hear it ru- ruins the software here. Good to have you, Don. Thank and you. Happy birthday. Have fun, guys. Temper. Now, that's cool. That's good advice. He just pulled that out of nowhere. If I, like, asked you right now, right now, Bryce, give us some pearls of wisdom, some wise advice from the young you. 20-foot rule, okay? If you're going to say something that you maybe don't want someone to hear, yeah. 20-foot rule. Two reasons, okay? 20 feet. You got to give them 20 feet distance. Give it 20 feet. 20 feet, they're not likely to hear you. 20 feet, because if they do hear you, you have a 20-foot head start. Brilliant. That is brilliant. That goes with temper. Most certainly. So if you're going to mouth off like at a game, 20-foot rule. Give it 20 feet. I might do 30 because, you know, at a game, people have, like, equipment. <laughs> they can extend their reach. Yeah. You think in lacrosse. Yeah. That's what they've you're got, They've got a... F- Four-foot advantage if they've got the long stick. Yeah, no. The 20-foot rule comes from uh, the time that I was with a fr- uh, me and a friend were uh, at a restaurant sitting down, and we were about to enjoy our food. Yeah. And this attractive woman walks by, and we both see her. I, I'm pretty sure we both came to the same realization probably at the same time. She's pretty. And then, and then I went back to uh, eating my food, but he leans in uh, and goes, and I, I think he meant to be like, hey, she's really attractive. But yeah. he was like, hey, she's really attractive. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, she really heard that. Uh, and then we both looked at her and she was looking at us. Did and she, she chase you? Cool. No, I think she appreciated the compliment, which is, I guess that's cool. She that's probably had really, a great day. See, okay? that's but, good. But still. 20 foot rule. 20 Brilliant. foot rule. Man, who thought we'd bring that up? That's great. Uh, do you have a temper, Bryce? I do. Because that's why we let you rant. We found if we let you rant, it takes the energy out of it. I'm a little cooler the rest of the day. You really are. A little chilled. Um, do, you, do you slowly simmer like Don, or do you just pop? I, so, so I will hit the point where I'm mad, where I've had it, um, but I'll be, I'll be very calm. I'll be at a level, and I won't really change, and then I'll just kind of wait mm. until everyone thinks everything's cool. And then I kind of explode. It's a little dramatic, and I kind of do that on purpose. Yours is about timing. Yeah, it is. Like like when everyone thinks it's all done and the loudest person in the room screams, yeah, everyone notices. Wow. See, when I go off, I'm not that calculating. I'm kind of just more out of control. I'm like when – have you ever seen a rabid dog when the the dog catcher comes? (laughs) 
Or that's more me. Or when you ride by on your bike and yeah. it can't quite get to you through the fence. Uh-huh. That's right. That one. That one. That's yeah. Me. And then I pretty I calm down pretty fast. By the way, that dog doesn't like it when you spray it in the face with your water bottle. But it is sure fun to watch. That's where you learn the 20-foot rule because <laughs> dogs close in fast. Um, so the, the thing about it is we've all got a temper to some degree, I'm assuming. We're going to have our expert tell us. But there's some people that you can't get away with temper anymore if you're a famous person. You know what I mean? Like most of us, we can all get away with a little temper thing now and then, right? Justin Bieber? No. What, you can't go off if you're Justin Bieber? He's entitled to be mad. but he Totally. But today... He is not entitled to keep it secret. Hey, if you had a paparazzi get too close to your girlfriend, Selena Gomez, and I'm looking at you, Skyboy, if somebody was messing with your Selena Gomez, your girlfriend, wouldn't you go off? Um, if you were the beebster? I'd, I'd probably get really sick of paparazzi. Yeah, if, but then what? Just in general. You're a diva. I don't think I'll ever be a diva. I don't know. At this rate, you might be right. You could always go the other way around. Go the Dennis Rodman approach. <laughs> Kick where where you, you, you know that the paparazzi are going to just keep taking photo after photo till they find you do, doing something embarrassing. So you give them material every single time until it's too easy. It's, it's, they don't even bother to follow you around anymore. It's like, goodness. Uh, Christian Bale. Anybody know the story there? Come on. No. Batman. Hollywood's most dedicated actor. He was the one that just won the Les Mis one, wasn't he? Who's in Les Mis? Who's that actor? Hugh Jackman. Oh, he was. No, is that who it was? Yeah. Oh, he was good. Yeah, that wasn't him. Christian Bale's Batman, right? It, wasn't he Batman? No, Adam West is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he the actor in Batman? Check this out. Is known as one of Hollywood's most dedicated actors. So when a crew member distracted him during a take on the set of Terminator Salvation, the Oscar-winning actor let out all let it all out in profanity-filled tirade. The outburst, which was recorded then leaked online, was reported reportedly directed at Shane Hurlbert, Hurlbut, the movie's director of photography. Busted. Russell Crowe, he's a fighter, Devo. Russell Crowe, New York hotel employee, got more than he bargained for when Russell Crowe threw a telephone at him during an outburst in 2005. The actor was arrested and charged with second degree assault, fourth degree assault with a deadly weapon. Who to thunk? That a phone was a deadly weapon. Who'd think we're, that? We're talking. I mean, like talking a cell phone. Are we talking like oh. a rotary? phone? I think it was a cell phone tower. Self, the whole tower, mm-hmm. which is what made it a deadly is it weapon. One, is it one of those ones that's like disguised as a tree, but doesn't yeah. really fool you, didn't you even in know. winter? You're like, Holy cow! Does Russell Crowe have a? Does he have a tree? No, <laughs> it's a cell phone tower. <laughs> it's a it's a big. Telephone. Don't ask him how he got it in the hotel because that was a lot of work. And people, where was security? John McEnroe. Do you remember John McEnroe had outbursts all the time? You've got to be joking. I heard that so many times. He was my idol. I loved him. Those were the days. John McEnroe. So apparently it's pretty common. Right? We've all got it. Oh, are we done? Skyboy. It's time to wrap it up, Matt. You going to make me go off here? <laughs> Don Quixote. I'm sorry. I just had to break in one more time. What do we got? It is Devo. Is a is a diva a devo? Yeah, a male uh, version of diva. Is that diva, why which is, il divo? Yeah, it, a, a, a female. Uh, I've been using the right term. Deity, back in the ancient Latin days or whatever, was a, a derivative of that word diva. But there is oh, it is reserved for the very prominent uh, male tenors and things like see, that. Is devo, il divo. There is so a band called il divo. Whip it good. Yeah, whip it. That's a different devo, Don. Okay. Okay. Devo, sweet. 
We're going to take a break, come back, help you get through the temper tantrums you have in life. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Inventive fishermen create ways to save marine life, reduce waste, and keep the oceans alive. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. This is no fish story. Well, actually it is. Three winners split over $57,000 in prize money for their inventions to protect marine life in the latest edition of the World Wildlife Fund's International Smart Gear Competition. The prize money was presented by the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration to help promote saving seabirds, turtles, and marine life from accidental capture. And the contest is revolutionizing the fishing industry. The top winner was a new way to sink commercial hook lines deep enough so they can't snag seabirds on the surface. It's reduced that problem by 89% in one year. A runner-up winner is a lighting system on gill nets, which helps turtles avoid drowning. And for sport fishermen, a tool called Sequelizer helps to safely return unwanted catches to very deep water without stressing the fish. A fish's means of regulating depth is disrupted when brought up from 300 feet to the surface, something like when a diver gets the bends. The Sequelizer carries the fish down to their home depth, automatically releasing them once they can swim on their own again. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Did you leave BYU without a degree? I'm thankful for the Bachelor of General Studies program because as I chose the life that I wanted to live, being a full-time mom, staying at home, and raising my children, it just gave me hope that I could still finish my goal, but at the same time I could still be fulfilling my responsibilities as a wife and a mother while still being able to take university courses. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. Welcome back, friends, you little temper tantrum uh, people. We are talking about temper today. Do you have a bad temper? Skyboy's ticked off, and I'm tired of looking across the screen at him because he is mad. Just don't look at me. You're like mad, like a hornet's nest. Hey, that's better. That's a lot better, isn't it? Yep. We put a screen right in front of his face. <laughs> so now I can just see his chest and his respiration. See those muscles? Elevated. No, I'd love to see one. Throw one out there. You, see, you don't see those just muscles? Just throw one muscle. I'd love to see it. <laughs> no, not yet. Keep No, maybe flex it. No. <laughs> yep, can't see one. Uh, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about temper. So you're driving out there right now on your drive from, um, you know, work. Have you had a little temper moment yet? Have you had someone pull in front of you and you're like, oh, my living, speed up, speed up. I bet Rob's temper comes out on the road. Oh, he's almost an... exclusively. Almost exclusively. People <laughs> don't live up to the privilege. There'll be a 45 mile per hour road and they don't live up to the privilege of 45. They'll go 38, 36. Privilege. 32. They have the privilege of going. No, their parents 50. pay taxes. Kids can go whatever speed they want to. Then they get ticketed if they go over. That's not a privilege. Well, but but sometimes you have a high-speed limit road, and people will still treat it like it's 35, and I then know. I'm stuck behind them, and I want to take advantage of this wonderful gift that I've been given, and I can't have it because they're going slow. You know what you need? A snowplow. Car horn. If you had one snowplow, you could get rid of these people that you don't like. Yeah, 
I don't want to end up getting sued though. Car horn's nice because you That's can true. express. Okay, so tell me about tell me tell me what you've learned. You've been doing some research. Where did the phrase "road rage" come from? According well, to Wikipedia, it's so. a sister to road rash, which is when you fall off your bike and you get all rashed up, and then you get full of rage. In the late eighties, okay, it has nothing to do with road rash. Okay. Although I'm sure it had to have been indirectly. In the late eighties, there was a rash See? of freeway shootings oh. all over Los Angeles and newscasters on KTLA Channel 5 in LA called it road rage and we've been using the term ever since yeah but it used to be just called aggressive driving yeah bad, so we just keep changing reckless, the name of it endane, reckless driving yeah. yeah so that's road rage which, not a big deal which cities have are among the ones and these surveys that there's you can't collect the data it's right. impossible to know but according to this non-scientific survey, which regions of the country have the least courteous drivers, the ones most prone to road rage? I'm going to go with the Northeast. Boston. Boston. Is it number one? Uh, it's in there. Okay. With oh. New York. Yeah. New, gonna, yeah. New York, New Jersey. Um, uh, another region, I would say uh, Puerto Rico. Those guys. Oh, I, they're, all, they're only looking at the oh, lower, I was gonna say, those lower guys 48 are out here. of control. I'm just Upper kidding. 48. Uh, how about L.A., California? LA. Yeah, I hear that's hard. Though. And I wonder, L.A., if it's not so much just out-and-out out road rage as it is people just pull out their guns and well, yeah. take care of business. Well, and you're messing with my surf time. Yeah. Don't well, mess with my surf time. Well, it's, it's, I don't think it's so much that. I think people have such long commutes because they, they work on the Miracle Mile and then they have to drive all the way to Victorville and back. And you're talking. Do. You're talking shop. So they're driving and driving and driving, and it doesn't stop. And this traffic stop and go, and then somebody kind of cuts you off yeah. at mile marker forty in your trip, and you're like, "That's it." That's it. And then it's just some blown tire. Uh, let's get another one. I would say Miami. Miami. Is that true? Yep. And Phoenix. Phoenix. Phoenix is obvious because it's so hot. I oh, get mad true. when I'm hot. I wonder if there's a correlation between road rage and whether your air conditioner is broken. Totally. Totally. And if you're – see, you guys don't even remember this. But back in the day, you used to sit on these vinyl seats and your legs would stick to the seat. And even at four, I had road rage. Well, that's when you'd have the uh, 360 air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, every roll, window roll was Roll three windows down and go 60. Yeah, that was it. So, um, okay, so those are areas to watch out for. So maybe apparently if you're in Phoenix, Miami, the Northeast or California, you well, might have – And then most – uh, most courteous cities include Minneapolis, Nashville, St. Louis, Atlanta, and the Pacific Northwest. Wow. That's where you want to live, right there. Some of those seem cooler. Not Missouri, St. Louis. That's, it seemed like in, in Oregon, and, and I think Seattle's this way too, people just drive slowly. That's just their solution to just everybody goes slow. And really? so that's why they're nice. Now you get on the freeway in Portland, everybody's going about 50. Wow. It's just You know what slow. it is? It's Nike. Yeah, they just do it. Let's just blame Nike. (laughs) Hey, talk about the Pacific Northwest. It spins into bike rage. That's the newest rage. Now, this is silly. Bike rage. I am so mad at you on my bike. Dude, they get mad. I bet they're mad at I've seen it. They're mad at car drivers, right? The drivers that are trying to kill them. Yeah, well, I think that's a lot of it. In fact, uh, they describe it as a cyclist believing that another road user is putting his or her life at risk. You want to see your life at risk? I'll show you your life at risk. And so it could turn into an example like this where in Toronto, 
A guy was driving down the street, tossed his lunch out the window and hit a guy on a <laughs> not, bike. Not metaphorically tossing the lunch. So the guy on the bike was mad, so the he next traffic light, he tossed the, the trash. He just threw the, his trash out, hits yeah. a biker. So he, he, the biker threw it back in the car window. So the next block- I've the, seen people hit a bike. Like, oh, I really? mean, hit a car. Like I've seen a bicyclist hit on a car, like on the hood. Hey! Yeah, that's- it's crazy. You know- I'm in a I, car. I've seen crossing guards do that, where a guy runs the yeah. crossing guard and he smacked the My son did it when I was parked on his foot. <laughs> That's bad. probably a good reason. My bad. Were you in the car or were you just like sitting on his foot? No, I parked and went inside <laughs> and he was hitting the hood. He's got really <laughs> slow reflexes. Um, so this is a big deal? Yeah. So in, in essence, rage is bad because it pops up all over the place. But normally not in an environment where we have the ability to kill somebody with our rage. That's what's scary because now you can have a gun. And if you got temper and a gun, causes problems. Oh, you're talking about an armed driver. Yeah, that's even worse. Well, I think all drivers have arms. Um, we're going to take a break and come back. We're talking temper here. We're going to bring in Nathaniel Smith, who is going to – he's the author of the book Taming Your Temper, a workbook for individuals, couples, and groups. We're going to learn to tame our temper after this break with Nathaniel Smith. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Marcus Smith will warm up your brain with a host of hot topics, and the discussions are so refreshing, it'll be better than orange sunshine. Whether it's about a banana mobile, Bigfoot, politics, or the environment, Marcus makes all of it fun and engaging. Listen to The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, weekdays at 9 Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. On Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio, talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Just a week after President Obama revealed plans to decrease drone strikes, U.S. officials confirmed today seven suspected militants were killed by a drone strike in Pakistan, including the Pakistani Taliban's second-in-command. Former Republican presidential nominee Michelle Bachman announced today she will not seek re-election to her Congress seat next year. Bachman is also facing charges for claiming, charges claiming her campaign stole email addresses from an Iowa homeschool organization. Republicans in the House are asking Attorney General Eric Holder to clarify his testimony regarding the targeting of journalists in a leak probe. Holder's sworn statement is supposedly in contrast with media reports. A new study has found women are the main or sole primary earners in 40 percent of homes in the U.S. However, attitudes about the working women are still split. The study also reveals half of respondents think children are better off with a non-working mother. The Scripps National Spelling Bee is adding a new challenge this year. Not only will contestants have to spell surprisingly obscure words, but also will be required to take difficult vocabulary tests in the upper rounds. In world news, Afghan insurgents are continuing to target aid organizations in the country. A Red Cross office was the target of suicide bombing today, which killed at least one guard. British officials confirmed today they are holding over 80 Afghans at an army base and have been for the last 14 months without officially charging them. The admission comes as President Obama continues his push to close the Guantanamo Bay prison, which holds men in similar circumstances. 
The first same-sex marriage ceremony in France was held today as all 500 guests cheered. However, protests for and against the new policy allowing same-sex couples to wed continue throughout the nation. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about temper tantrums, and just not tantrums per se, but temper and how to tame your temper. You know, sometimes your kids just frustrate you, and you think the only way you're going to get them to listen is by freaking out. Actually, every time I've ever lost my temper, I've never done it because it made sense. I did it because I lack, what's the word? Because I'm reactive. That's why I do it. I've never sat there and thought, I'm so glad I did that. I feel so much better about myself for losing my cool. Is everyone good now? I'm sorry. Dad had to teach you that important lesson. No, I just freak out. So on the show, we want it now. Some people can do that maybe. I mean, I'm not the guy. We're going to have our great guest today is the author of the book, Taming Your Temper, a workbook for individuals, couples, and groups. His name is Nathaniel Smith. And he's a licensed professional counselor, specializes in anger management and domestic violence issues. He helps hundreds of clients through his private practice, but he also works with offenders through the Texas Department of uh, Criminal Justice. And he um, owns his own uh, group and and teaches uh, workshops to them as well, owns and manages a mental health classes company. I guess that's how you say it. More importantly, you can find all the information you need to about Nathaniel Smith at NathanielSmithCounselor.com, which, by the way, is where you can get his book, but you can also just go straight to Amazon and pick up the book, Taming Your Temper. Nathaniel, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt, thank you for having me on. So good to have you. Now, the the temper thing, you know what? Okay, it's 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 natural. Do you buy that? Sure. Yes, definitely. I, I talk about that in the book, that anger is a normal uh, human emotion that everybody has, right? Just like you right. were talking about in the intro, I have it myself. It's when anger, Matt, is applied in the format of aggression, then people's rights are violated, and that's where it becomes a problem. But anger as a whole is a normal emotion that everybody has, right? Myself included. Well, no, so so when anger anger's normal, uh, is it healthy? Sure, I think anger is healthy. I, I think where it becomes a problem is when people stuff it or when people express it, like I said, in aggressive yeah. ways. That's when people's rights are violated. So the minute we kind of move it into aggression mm-hmm. and we start violating other people's rights, um, and, and that could just even be verbal, I guess, right? I mean, sure. it's it's one thing physically, but it's another thing when we start, I guess, trying to run someone off on the road mm-hmm. or um, you know, Im- impede their rights. And that aggression is where we know we've crossed the line. Yeah, exactly. I got a I got an example of this. I had a patient come in. His name was Max, Matt, and he had life-threatening road rage. This guy would get out on the interstate. He would blow his horn. He would shoot the finger. And it was so bad one day, Matt, that he followed a guy into a parking lot because the gentleman didn't put on a, a blinker to come over into the next lane. And he was so upset, he followed this guy to Target, Matt, and he uh. assaulted him. He assaulted this gentleman, and when Max came in to see me, he was court-appointed. And what Max had to learn, Matt, was what was happening within his body. And you know, like I do with his yeah. anger, you're going to look for a tense and release mechanism right. like we all do. And his tense and release mechanism was the interstate. 
So I took him through Taming Your Temper, and we taught him what happens to your body when you become angry, right? Your heart rate goes up, your adrenaline surges, your muscles tense up, your your body's energy mechanism, it activates, right? right? So I had to help Max find a way to release this energy in an effective way. And we did that through Taming Your Temper. I taught him how to relax his muscles. I taught him how to become aware of what was happening happening with his breathing. And he learned some great coping mechanisms that helped him to stop the correlation that was going on when he got in the car and he was able to better manage his responses. So I agree. This thing That's comes huge. out in a lot of different ways. And for Max, it was critical, the level that he was going to with his explosion. Well, yeah, I mean... Luckily, this other guy didn't have the same problem, or we oh, really yeah. would have been in a world of hurt. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Does, um, it seems like we don't uh, really teach our kids. I mean, it seems like the way we teach them, you just went through a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that really is kind of the root side of the temper, the, the mm-hmm. kind of the biochemical, some of the thought processes. Sure. But it seems like as parents, we're just like, no, you know, don't feel that. You don't do that. And it's more like you're trying. I mean, it seems like we need to get deeper and get into the real chemistry side. Yeah, I love what you're saying. We do have to become aware of what's happening biologically, right? And I talk about that in Taming Your Temper. There is an anger cycle that people get trapped in, and there's multiple levels to that cycle, one of which is the biological component. Another part of this, Matt, that I want to share with you, because I love what you're talking about in terms of what parents teach kids, is we don't teach the 101s to communication or the basics to communication. Right. And I've tried to do that in this book. I, I know I meet men every day, and for you know us as men, we learn angry, happy, sad. Men don't learn how to be afraid. They don't learn how to be in pain. And our gender norms promote that. And then for women, they get defined as just being emotional. And women have cognitions. They're not just about their emotions. So I think what you're saying is so true. We've got to get down to these fundamental levels of how to communicate as parents and teach our kids how to do that. That way they're more effective as adults and they don't fall prey to these traditional norms, which definitely affect anger management. No doubt about it. Is there a difference? I mean, it seems like um, that even though so there's a deeper kind of component to this, it seems like men tend to get that they tend to maybe escalate to anger, not, not faster, but they seem to get be getting in more trouble. Yeah, and you know, I do think that that violence is promoted for men big time. We we learn how to express our emotions in that way in in so many different forms, right? We right. learn that through sports, through the media, and and I don't want to criticize sports and media because I love both of those things, right. right? But we do learn how to express our anger in those fundamental ways. But I got to tell you, I, I've seen an escalation, and it doesn't, and I haven't. I found that it's not gender specific. It's not just men. It. No, and we've been doing a statistical analysis here in my practice to gather data uh, to find out more about people's anger. And what I've discovered through some of this work and through some of this research is that what's behind anger is pain and fear. And it doesn't matter what the sex of the person right. is as a whole. It's really about those two things, and, and it's a defense mechanism, is all really anger is, to block pain and fear. See, that's interesting. And then, um, so once the pain compounds enough or i guess once we have mm-hmm. the pattern the, like the schema the then uh-huh. we can just default to that schema of being mm-hmm. angry instead of actually thinking it through 
That's it right there. And, and I think this is the thing that I, and one reason why I wrote this book is I found that people were coming in, Matt, with depression and anxiety, and anger was always correlated or paired with those two particular emotions. And there's the pain and the fear that I'm talking about that okay. I've discovered in my research and working with clients through, through many years now. So what you found is that anger, and you hear this a lot, that anger is not a primary emotion. It's like a, right. it's a secondary emotion. But are you, right I guess you're there. saying pain and fear are the primary emotion. That's right. That's so, right. And we express it, in, well, men especially express it in terms of aggression, and it's really not about that. And that's the thing that I coach my men on all the time is to think about, listen, what's behind What's behind your anger? Let's really explore that. Let's, let's try to figure out and conceptualize what's driving this anger. And a lot of men, Matt, they haven't even thought about that. They're oh, so sure. comfortable with expressing anger in these very specific ways. That, and they're not taught, like we talked about earlier, how to really communicate about these fundamental things that's really driving their anger. I love that. I mean, I, I really, I, I think I agree. And I have a lot of couples that come to me after they've mm-hmm. had like a domestic dispute. and Sure. Um, the husband, for example, will have to go to anger management class. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, they, the, he's, he, in the anger management, he still may not learn communication skills. Mm-hmm. And depending on the program he goes to, but he also certainly doesn't know how to do it with his wife either. Yeah, and th- then we cool. send them back to be with each other, and it seems like a problem. Yeah, it's a time bomb waiting to happen, right? right. It's, it's right back to the same old patterns. You know, I got a classic example of this. I had a, a guy come in. His name was Joe. Let's call him Joe for confidentiality. And he was headed, Matt, to divorce. Mm. I mean, he was headed for divorce. Yeah. And his partner was named, let's call her Sue. They'd been together 10 years. They had many fights over money. And they were continually arguing over that to the point to where Joe was just avoiding conflict altogether. He didn't even want to talk about the subject anymore. And when he first joined the Temper Tamers program, he come in and he told the group, I feel hopeless. I feel like this thing is never going to change. I'm exhausted. You know, there's no solution for my marriage. And the deeper we got into this, and I started teaching him the five steps to an effective timeout and how to break down. Uh, these conflict and these arguments and help get it to resolution, it changed the way he communicated with Sue. It created an entirely different dichotomy, and it gave Sue a mechanism and some structure and some rules and guidance on how to communicate with Joe. It totally changed the game, Matt. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a protocol. It's interesting because in court, they have a lot Mm -hmm. of protocol. They have a lot of rules. They have a lot of structure, and that structure makes it so... The horses can't run away. I mean, it makes it yeah. so we can't let the the most affected emotionally lead the show. And that's really what you're saying, though, is we just need to learn some of these steps to effective timeouts, some communication rules. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to make sure we can ride this out. That's it. That's, that's huge. It. it really is. Uh, it's the universal, um, uh, I guess, failure. I mean, it's something that we all do. Mm-hmm. And whether it's with our child and we get angry, whether it's with our spouse or just someone on the road, it doesn't have to stay that way. And it's not necessarily just because you're Irish, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had people argue, it's, you know, I'm Irish. I just have a yeah. bad temper. And I'm like, have you ever been to Ireland? <laughs> nope, I haven't. Yeah. Well, then don't yeah. blame Ireland for crying out loud. You've yeah. never even been there. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But we, we want to hang it on everyone but ourselves, don't we? That's true. You know, I love what you're saying because I teach guys and gals this all the time. There are three barriers that keep people from being accountable. Number one is denial. Mm. I, hey, I did it. 
you know, I didn't do it, sorry, and I, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, this didn't happen, et cetera. And then the other is minimization. Hey, I did it, but it's not as bad as you're saying. Yeah, it's it not really bad. You, is, don't, right? you don't understand it, right? That's right, right. You're making a bigger deal out of this than what it really is. And then the, the larger barrier to accountability is blame, Matt. And yeah. that's where the person is saying, hey, it's your fault. You caused me to do that. And those three things, they are huge barriers to accountability. And if you have that in your relationship, I guarantee you will have no trust no respect, no appreciation, and it is highly likely that you will end up in a divorce state because it destroys relationships. It yeah, destroys. it seems. And th- this is this is coming from Nathaniel Smith, who works with offenders through the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. It seems like those would be the three things you'd hear the most for those oh, yeah. who keep repeating their offense. Yeah, that is so true, and and that's one of the big things that we try to do with with men and women that come into our program is to help them to understand the role that accountability plays in their abilities to change. Yeah, I love if that. They are not accountable. They are not going to. They're not going to accept the process of change, and that's going to be detrimental to their relationships moving forward. That's huge. Okay, mm-hmm. Nathaniel, we're going to take a break. Yeah. We're going to come back. When we come back, I'd love you to get into a little bit more. You know, some of the things about noticing the emotion or the anger noticing how we start to detect it earlier sure and then uh, we'll even take another break come back and i'd love you to get into the communication side what are we supposed to do about all this yeah that sounds great we're talking to nathaniel smith the author of taming your temper a workbook for individuals couples and groups you can get that at amazon.com and we'll be back right here on the matt townsend show on sirius xm 143 byu radio A tiny add-on chip may keep your GPS from ever losing track of the sky again. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. If you live in a big city, you know how great it is to have a trusty GPS. And you also know the frustration of losing that GPS signal when you go through tunnels, under bridges, or through the canyons between skyscrapers. GPS is, after all, based on radio signals, and city environments can block or degrade those signals. DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, is trying to solve that problem for the military by taking a sort of high-tech step backwards. Before GPS existed, airplanes, ships, and missiles got their navigational cues from something called an inertial measurement unit. Using clocks, gyroscopes, and accelerometers, an IMU starts off from a known position and calculates what direction and speed you travel. It's jam-proof. DARPA's idea is to build an IMU on a chip that's barely one-sixth the size of a penny. The IMU chip could take over guiding your GPS any time the radio signal got blocked. The chip could eventually find its way into numerous consumer devices. And you will find that meeting place you're late for. Tunnels, bridges, and all. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. World News. Uru Kenyatta was sworn in as Kenya's fourth president. Secretary of State John Kerry is meeting in London today. It's the latest threat North Korea's leaders have made. U.S. leaders are offering aid. You get sound bites from the news, but with notes from the Kennedy Center, you can join diplomats and scholars as they go deeper into the affairs of the world. Notes from the Kennedy Center airs weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking with Nathaniel Smith, the licensed professional counselor, and uh, he teaches people how to manage and tame their temper. He wrote a book called Taming Your Temper, a workbook for individuals, couples, and groups. You can find information about Nathaniel Smith at his website, nathanielsmithcounselor.com, and you can get his book at amazon.com. Nathaniel, welcome back, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me on again here. So it seems like uh, something happens when mm-hmm. someone cuts you off, and you, yeah. you say two of the kind of root key, the root causes, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, triggers of anger would be pain and fear. Uh-huh. So I guess if somebody cuts in front of me, Right. scares me, kind of turns on my fight-or-flight mechanism. Is that what That's happens? It. That's it, exactly, because your body, as your, I mean, there's an area of the nervous system. We call it the autonomic nervous system. It's an involuntary part of our nervous system, and it activates because of stress, anger, and fear. Mm. And like you said, once that gets activated, boom, that builds up, and then we start to produce adrenaline, and it's our body's defensive, defensive posture to protect us, right? Yeah, and, and I guess the blood, this is what I always thought was funny. In the fight-or-flight it, mm-hmm. Doesn't the blood, like, go to your extremities? It does. It builds up more in the larger muscles, Matt. Yeah, okay. Like the quadriceps. And yeah. that's one reason why people will get jelly legs in these moments of time when they get really upset. Oh, sure. Because the blood vessels are constricting and it's accumulating in the large muscles. And sadly, it's leaving your brain where you need it. <laughs> right? So you're sitting there yeah, like, no, 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 so no, step true. in my head, yeah. step in my head. Yeah, that's but, right. But that's it does right. go to your extremities. That's why people yeah. aren't thinking straight. Yeah, and along with oxygen depletion, right, because you're breathing more from your mouth. That's one thing that I teach people in the physical parts of this book, how to relax and how to breathe effectively, like I was saying about Max's situation. And he didn't realize that that physical response was escalating him deeper into his anger cycle, which was getting him in trouble every time. Mm -hmm. So if you breathe through your nose, Mm -hmm. you're going to – I guess it's going to be – you're not going to burn through as much energy. What does that do? What it does is it starts to increase the oxygen in your system, which it, what it, the, the main area of what this does, to explain it this way, I think this would be better, is when you relax your body through your breathing, you're flowing oxygen throughout the system right. the way it's supposed to be, right? Then number two, it lets the brain know that, hey, listen, you don't need to be in this tense state, right. this this, this elevated state because everything's okay. That's why I practice cognitive behavioral therapy. The cognitive side helps people evaluate their thoughts and understand how their thinking drives the way they feel and behave. The behavioral side helps them to learn how to manage their physical responses and stop some of their outburst responses. Yeah, they um, they call it flooding, right? I mean, this is kind mm-hmm. of where we're getting flooded with all this chemistry. Sure. And it makes sense for survival mode. But yep. like a lot of times our our anger isn't about survival mode. It's almost True. I mean it could be something as dumb as your kid just talking back. Yeah, it's not it, it's not correlated. It's not situationally correlated correctly, right? Yeah. So this is why I think it's important, Matt, for people to be able to conceptualize their anger cycle. And I talk about that in the book and besides pain and fear, it comes back to people's core beliefs. And what core beliefs really are in layman's terms, it's the way you perceive yourself internally and the external world around you. Mm. We all have belief systems. So let's go back to Max. Let's say his belief system is that he's vulnerable, likely to be hurt. And then the car is the catalyst to tap into that perspective. 
you know, someone pulls over in front of him, that gets him elevated, and then boom, he starts showing that fear as anger. Yeah. And that core belief system drives that perspective. Max wouldn't have that perspective if he didn't have these very specific belief systems about how he perceived the world, specifically the world when he's in the car. Yeah. And that's something that's important for people to understand, and I teach them that in this book. This book helps people, Matt, to understand what's behind their anger. This is more than a symptom management approach to where I teach you a few behavioral exercises, do these things, deep deep breathing, relaxing, right. etc. This will let go of anger. It's much more than that. It's about understanding the driving force behind a person's anger issues. I and love that's that. what this is really about. Well, and it puts it in your court. I mean, if you don't want to deal with that, if you just want to keep going with the denial, the minimization and the blame, mm-hmm. uh, that it's probably, your your system's not going to work because right? Because at some point they're going to own it. That's right. Or they're going to fail. That's right, exactly. And that's one reason why this book has 36 exercises in it, Matt. I wanted something comprehensive that would help people get true relief from their anger. Matt, I've had so many people come into my practice and they tell me, Nathaniel, my life is in utter chaos. I'm losing my relationships. People don't want to be around me anymore. I'm depressed. Mm. My life is falling apart. And that's why I wanted to give people resources that they could do in the privacy of their home that would change their lives. And and, and it's about this, right? You don't want to look back and think about the life you could have had. This book is about the life that you can have right now if you will do the work to get better. Yeah, because you're going to lose people because they're not going to feel safe with you. Plus, you're modeling for your children really horrible um, management patterns. Yeah, that's so true. And we passed that on. I've seen this a lot, and you've probably seen this too. This affects generation after generation. And I see a lot of people that will come into me, Matt, they're exhausted. And they're like, I have got to stop this. I've got to stop what's happening in my life. And that's what this book is about. This is a resource. I love it. This is a resource for people to change their lives. And in it, you said there's 30 plus. How many? 36 exercises that we cover. And there's five different chapters that hit some very strategic areas of anger issues. And and when you look at it, too, I mean, I kind of feel like, a lot of times we oversimplify everything as humans where we kind of just make it like, yeah, they're just evil or yeah, they're just, they're just stupid. They don't, they're ignorant, but this is at some point, this is about self mastery. I mean, at some point you've got to dig down and say to yourself, I want to be better and I want to make a change. And how do you, have you found, how do you get, I mean, I guess if you're court ordered to do it, that's one mm-hmm. thing. But right, how do you get come, how do you right. get to do that? That's the thing I've been working on. That's why I'm so glad you've let me on the radio today. So many people, Matt, they don't go get help for this. You know why? There's such a stigma around it. Oh, that's they right. They feel like they're a bad person. They feel like that they they've got all this guilt and shame. And I want to encourage the listening audience today. If you will reach out and take the risk and and get involved with this work, it can change your life. And it's not about being a bad person. It's about bad behavior. And bad behavior can be changed. Matt, you know like I do, there's very few bad people in this world. But we all have bad behavior, and this is a behavioral problem. It's not about being a fundamental. Uh, not about being a bad person as a whole. Yeah, you know? you're not. It's that's the old attribution error, right? Where we mm-hmm. we just assume someone's horrible. Yeah, and that's not true. People have bad behavior, and People you can even have mistakes, a bad day, right? and everyone can have a bad moment where sure, it's just by the time that this becomes 
more something about that, that's creating some more, I guess, permanent aggression or, or where you start to infringe on other people, um, which, again, is very easy to do if you've got a child. It's true. You can infringe just with one little tirade. That's true. And and that like you said earlier, that models something that they learn and then they take that into their future relationships, which once again passes this on to the next generation. What when you look at it too, um so there's kind of the biochemical side. I guess some uh-huh. of this too ends up also being d- just the idea of the pain and the fear. Um mm-hmm. most of us don't really know and I'm assuming most of us don't really want to go to our pain that we had as a child. Yeah. So is that, I mean, a lot of times when people talk about counselors, they're like, oh, geez, I don't want to yeah. go back there. Yeah. I don't want yeah. to, un- I, it's just, I don't want yeah. to let that out of the can. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I hear that from clients frequently. And the great thing about this theoretical model that the book is built on, or the principles it's built on, cognitive therapy, Matt, doesn't take you back in the past and try to change everything that's happened in your childhood. We can't do that, number one, right? But what we do is we use your childhood experiences as a guide to help us to understand how that helped shape the way you perceive the world now in the present. Yeah. And that's what this book is built on. What were your core beliefs? What are your core beliefs that you learned growing up? And how have those transcended throughout your life to right now where you're like Max and you're in the car and you're ticked off and you don't even know why you're mad, but you're just mad. Yeah. And a lot of times I've found with Max, I'll tell you the story behind him. You know what I discovered? What did you find? I, what I found about Max, he grew up in a home that was emotionally abusive. And, and his dad was so hard on him, Matt talked down to him, criticized him, uh, you know, made him feel like he was never enough. And and so he was afraid all the time in his home. And there was mm. domestic violence going on, Matt. So he had a, a, a major issue with fear. In other words, fear become the primary way that, that Max saw the world. So, yeah, you're now oriented that, to fear. You know? And then What's somebody that? else, so you've oriented, you become oriented to fear, and then yeah. somebody cut you off. That's right. And you all of a sudden think that that's like an affront to your manhood or your... That's right. And it's game right. on. And then that's fear it. kicks in. the power, right? Yeah. And then we're driving to a Walmart to beat the guy up. Well, and it's about win-lose, too, isn't it? Because yeah. I think we as men, and even women are learning this, I'm finding now, that we are supposed to be right, we're supposed to have the answers, and we win at all costs. That's even right. sports are about that, right? Oh, yeah, we're, absolutely. We're not taught how to back down and how to no. negotiate well, and how to address conflict effectively. No, well, real men don't back down. Yeah, yeah. You just slowly crush and eke it out of everyone else. That's <laughs> right. It's a beautiful model. So yeah. we've got to change the model. Well, why don't we do this? We're going to take a break. Uh-huh. We're talking to Nathaniel yeah. Smith, author of the book Taming Your Temper, a workbook for individuals, couples, and groups. You can get the book at Amazon.com. We're going to come back, and he's going to teach us. I'd love to get into some of the communication stuff and how, you know, maybe some of those steps to effective timeouts as well. So we're going to be talking to Nathaniel Smith after the break right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. 
and what a song. Every time it was recorded, it stopped my world for a while. Ron Simpson is passionate about music and knows a good song when he hears one. I'm plenty old enough to realize this is something new, something pretty cool, something important. Join him as he takes a closer look into the songs and musicians he knows and loves. Trying to analyze the chords and figure out why the song communicates such an incredible mood. The Tantara Hour, weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg may be the next target of a ricin-laced letter. Preliminary test results of a letter addressed to the mayor are positive for the presence of the deadly poison. Just a week after President Obama revealed plans to decrease drone strikes, U.S. officials confirmed today seven suspected militants were killed by a drone strike in Pakistan, including the Pakistani Taliban's second-in-command. Former Republican presidential nominee Michelle Bachman announced today she will not seek re-election to her Congress seat next year. She's also facing charges claiming her campaign stole email addresses from an Iowa homeschool organization. As media outlets continue to fume about Justice Department leak probes, Republicans in the House are calling on Attorney General Eric Holder to clarify his testimony on the subject, as his account is in contrast with media reports. The Scripps National Spelling Bee is adding a new challenge this year. Not only will contestants have to spell surprisingly obscure words, but also will have to take difficult vocabulary tests in the upper rounds. World News British officials confirmed today they are holding over 80 Afghans at an army base and have been for the last 14 months without officially charging them. The admission comes as President Obama continues his push to close the Guantanamo Bay prison, which holds men in similar circumstances. Syrian opposition fighters say they will not even consider peace talks unless regime President Bashir Assad agrees to leave power. U.S. and Russian leaders have been working to coordinate the talks to end the continuing violence. The first same-sex marriage ceremony in France was held today as all 500 guests cheered. However, protests for and against the new policy allowing same-sex couples to wed continue throughout the country. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Good to be with you. We're talking about temper and how to tame your temper. You know, it's been interesting just watching Skyboy through the show. He's calmed down a lot. Appreciate you, Skyboy. Matt, I appreciate you, too. I appreciate that you appreciate me appreciating you. I'm just going to stop right there. But I do appreciate everything you said. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, That was warm. Did you feel the warmth in the room? Yeah, it's really warm in here. I think it's the computers are working extra hard. Today we're talking about temper and how sometimes it just kind of takes us over. And we've been talking with Nathaniel Smith, who's a licensed professional counselor, and he helps hundreds of clients through his private practice. He also teaches a program for offenders through the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, which is where Skyboy met him. Um, in a crazy traffic stop of which he had nothing he's denying was even an issue. Um, And uh, the neat thing about Nathaniel Smith, though, is he's written a book. He's the author of Taming Your Temper, a workbook for individuals, couples, and groups, which you can find at his website, NathanielSmithCounselor.com. Go check that out. Now, Nathaniel, welcome back, my friend. 
Yeah, thank you for having me back on. And to piggyback on that, I appreciate both of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. See? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's I good. really appreciate that. It's, uh, <laughs> we, we've had a lot of work lately on how to accept compliments and how to forgive. We've had that on good the show. So, so now we've just been trying to work on his temper, and we've yeah. almost got him fixed. Don't Maybe we Scott. teach him the five steps today, Matt. I know. Let's hear it. To him. the next level, right? So these are the five steps to calling an effective timeout? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's yeah. – so so the, this is – is this what I do? Do I do this five steps or do I do this for someone that's having a temper blow up in front of me? Well, it, it seems like that both. could be dead. Okay. It just yeah, seems it like it might be deadly ways. for me to call timeout on someone who's charged. Well, that's the great thing about this, is this is a proactive strategy. Most cool. people, when, when they have escalations, they just walk away or, or they, they increase the conflict, etc. So this is an organized process to help people to effectively take a break when their anger is out of control. Cool. And it can work both ways, like I said. So the first part of it is to sit down, Matt, and to create a plan. And that plan in the book, there's five steps that I walk people through, and there's a contract that's included in those steps. And I found that that's a very powerful part of this process. So that buys them in. They have to own it. They have to sign this contract. That's it. And once again, it's the commitment to the people that they love, not just in a marital relationship, but anybody that's involved in their lives, that they're in their life, that they're struggling with anger, can can be part of this contract. So the first step is just to come up with a plan. And, And the way it works is like this. You would come up with a timeout signal. And I'll give you an example. It's kind of funny. I had a couple come in, and they had a poodle, and they called it the ticked-off poodle, guys, because this poodle would bite people. It was out of control. So that was their key word for when they they wanted to take a timeout. They'd say the ticked-off poodle's in the room, and it was time to take a break. So the first thing is the key word. And it could just be simply, let's take a break. Let's take a timeout. So that shouldn't be a swear word, right? (laughs) Right. Because that seems counterintuitive. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. and I found that there's a heavy correlation to cussing and anger. I can tell you that really? for sure because I've heard that for many. Oh people. no, I believe that because huh? I guess we just we short circuit, so we go to the gutter words. That's it. That's it. The second part of it is to come up with how long will the break last? For most people, Matt and guys, it, it takes about you know anywhere from twenty to forty-five minutes for most people to calm down. Because re- remember, in this plan, they're not just going to be taking a break. There's going to be strategies that each person will have to do to effectively come back and have a, a better discussion. Yeah. So that's the second part of it is the duration, and then the anger escalation identification. People need to spend time in this plan figuring out what are the signals for them that let them know that they're really angry. Some of the things that are in the book, like yelling, glaring, interrupting, cursing, name. All these things can be early indicators of, of a person's, you know, the, the early indicators that a person is going deeper into their anger cycle. And then it gets off into <clears throat> the timeout uh, productivity cycle. What do you do during the break? And there's some big things that I have people do uh, to really help them take a, a timeout effectively. Hmm. So the first thing is empathy. Uh, during step four, they need to really think about where's the other person coming from? What position are they really in? What's the other person's coping strategies? You know, what's the other person's needs and desires? What's the other person's fears? So I give some very specific questions for the individuals to answer during the timeout period. And I also uh, have them take other steps, like burning it off. Like I have them walk, they can ride the bike, they can get out of the house, they can do some other things to burn off Uh, the anger that they're feeling in that moment of time. And then I give them a set of positive thoughts that they need to read through. And then I also have them start to look at what kinds of thoughts and behaviors are standing in the way of them being willing to come back and negotiate. 
You know, mm. like I do, guys, so many people will get off in these breaks, and what do they do? They stew, they yeah. ruminate, they blame. They start gathering they have, evidence that they were right. It, yeah. They have all of these unproductive uh, processes that they have involved in these breaks, and that, that explodes it, right? So yeah. I have them think about what's standing in the way. And then before they go back, I have them start to write down some solutions and some really good compromises that would meet both individuals' needs. And then when they come back in step five, there are very specific things that each person has to do, like listen without interrupting, keeping a normal tone of voice, be prepared to compromise, return to the conversation with some possible solutions, as I said earlier, and then just to honor the agreed-upon time. And the reason why these steps are important is this. People play one of two roles in conflict. One person wants to solve it, and the other person wants to get away. And what the timeout contract does, guys, is it meets both person's needs. The person that wants to get away knows that in this contract they're going to have a break away from the argument to calm the situation down, and there's going to be some productive things that, that occur during the break. And the person that wants to resolve it has a commitment from the other person to come back after the agreed-upon time to negotiate through the process. What do you guys think about this? I love that. I think um – what I love about it, too, is it's uh, because it's a process and it's linear, mm-hmm. it's going to be in a different part of the brain than the yep. fight or flight is. That's it. So if you can see the triggers, which is kind of what you're looking at earlier, what's the trigger that's gonna, that tends to set us off the signals that we know are mm-hmm. the signs that we're angry? If we can start noticing the trigger, then we can kind of slide into more of an intellectual process instead of just a reactive pattern. Well, that's so true. That's powerful. And you see, and think, you see it work. You can actually see that uh, this is this is helping the people you're working with. Yeah, and I've seen this through many years of utilizing these exercises. And I, you know, I'll be honest. A lot of these were created mad on the fly. I'd be with a client, we'd start brainstorming what was going on in their lives with their anger, and then we just start creating things. Yeah, client and I together, and that's where many of these forms have come from. So I have beta tested them in my practice for years with people, and I've seen people use these things in powerful ways to change the dynamic that's going on in their relationships. I can tell you something though. This is something I even say in the book. A lot of people will try this timeout process, and Matt, guess what? It doesn't work the first time they try it. Oh, sure. And it's because they're, they're so used to being trapped in these dichotomies over time, and it really takes a concerted effort between the two parties to hold themselves accountable, to follow through, and to stick with the plan. Even if it doesn't work every time, eventually it's going to take hold and stop that cycle. Yeah, it seems like uh, the person that is the fixer that wants to get it fixed Yep. We'll like the process because we're actually moving forward without anger. And That's the person it. that wants to, like, run mm-hmm. can feel safe because we're not reacting the traditional way. Well, that's so true. That's it right there. So that's how you kind of circumvent. You short-circuit the the uh, the whole process, don't you? Mm-hmm. Does, when, I guess when you see it, um, it's – to see this in action, and I've seen it with my clients when they finally learn to just pause and be present – and they they kind of have a once they finally have their hand ra- wrapped around their reactive pattern, um, mm-hmm. it's there's something really ennobling, isn't there? When you see a human overcome a pattern that has controlled them forever. 
Oh, it's powerful. It's life-changing. I mean, that's, that's one reason why I do this work. I yeah. mean, it's because you see people, they, they start to apply these principles, and, and you see the impact on their lives. There's nothing like that for me as a clinician. I mean, it warms my heart every day. I get to work with people yeah. and see them apply these principles. It's powerful. It's like a mission. Stuff. You, see, you sure. see this change in them. And then to see, to see the inherent, like, to see somebody who's forever been reactive mm-hmm. stop, and not even and, and no longer re, you know not be recoiling and just at relax allows the other who's always been running yeah. to trust him more finally now yeah, i can trust that we can do something it. else yeah, it's powerful you see relationships you know uh come together solidify again you know gather strength and trust and all of these things you know i had a guy recently he was a ceo of a major company, uh, Matt, and he had major anger management issues. It was destroying his family. This gentleman called me the other day after we finished our treatment, and he said, Nathaniel, this has changed my life. Mm. You know, I'm communicating now with my kids. Matt, he was saying terrible things to his children on a daily basis. He's no longer doing that. He's much more empathetic with his wife. He's listening at a higher level. And he learned how to do some some fundamental things, and he's been practicing it every day, and now it's become his normal pattern. And to hear that from this guy, this guy is a tremendous person. He had bad behavior, and he just needed to learn how to correct it. Yeah. And, And it's changed everything in his life in terms of his relationships, which he cares about more than anything in this world. And, and people don't get how you can have that paradox where you mm-hmm. can care and still have a temper yeah, and true. not know what to do with it. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's like we talked about earlier. A- anger doesn't make people bad people. It's right. behavioral issues we're talking about, and it's learning how to correct the perspectives that drive your anger and understanding that and then learning how to modify behavior over time with strategies. Are there? Do you see anybody that... Um, so, like, let's say somebody comes to this with a mm-hmm. with another mental uh, disorder or another sure. mental health issue. I, I mean, I guess there's a point where we still maybe can't cognitively control as much of our temper. Yeah, and, and or even I guess point. under the influence of certain drugs or sure. alcohol. I mean, so this is something that is is cognitive. It, it needs mm-hmm. to be thought and chosen. Yeah, and um. I mean, I guess once you get good at that or even effective at that, you can start to make other decisions, too, I guess. Yeah, and it's true. Mental health issues can create problems for people in terms of impulse control. It can definitely create anger management issues. And and I have many clients in my practice that have dual diagnoses. What I mean by that, they're coming in with behavioral problems like anger management issues. But there's also some mental health issues that are having to be treated. But a lot of times, that's the great thing about cognitive therapy, too, and the type of therapy that I practice, it can treat both. And, and with, if someone's getting appropriate, uh, appropriate medication treatment plus this cognitive therapy principles or the th- cognitive therapy principles that I teach, then it helps individuals to, to really balance that, and they can recover. Um, you know, because it's like anything. If a person has cancer, what do we do? We treat it. And that's the thing that's, that's so uh, disturbing for me as a clinician. Mental health issues, like I said earlier, there's such a stigma that comes with these things, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I know that's changed some, Matt, but you know like I do, there's a lot of growth that our society still needs to experience as it relates to not being judgmental. And, and you know, when people have mental health issues, it's still a growing problem that has not been totally, you know, resolved. I totally agree. Don't you think, Nathaniel, that it's, it has a lot more to do with the video the movie that came out, Anger Management, with Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. I think they really—that must have been really hard for your business. 
was. <laughs> you know, but I, I try to take some of these things in stride, yeah, too. Totally. You know, I mean, you got to find some humor in some of these things, but I agree. <laughs> well, you totally. Help. They did. They ruined a good profession. But, but, but it's like, what about Bob? That movie always I know, that absolutely is, cracks yeah. me up. I love that. It's like they're trying to ruin our profession. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing about it, too, is, I mean, I think you're right on. We have such a stigma that all of a mm-hmm. sudden someone can't, where we don't allow somebody to just be, to have an, to have an issue. That's right. Or to go get help, right? That's, right. That's one reason why I'm, I'm so glad you're on the radio talking about these things, because it needs to be normalized so people can become aware that, hey, mental health issues are treatable. It doesn't mean you're crazy. Right. It doesn't mean that you're dysfunctional. It means that you've got a biological issue and a behavioral problem that needs to be addressed, and there's help, you know? Well, I mean, I guess everyone else could, you could just turn away and pretend like dad doesn't have a temper problem. Yeah. And, and the problem with that is, is eventually when you're free enough to be clear of dad, mm-hmm. you're going to choose to be clear from dad. You're going to not choose to probably keep going back to the well yep. if it's, if it keeps poisoning you. That's true. That's true. I've actually had clients. I mean, I had a client, Rachel. That was her thing. She had no boundaries, Matt, whatsoever. Mm. She went out on a date with this guy, Eric. I mean, she totally overdisclosed. She told him how broken she was, that her brother was an alcoholic. And what Rachel had to learn was how to pace getting to know someone going gradually as intimacy grows over time. Yeah. And, you know, without boundaries, Matt, it's difficult to feel safe, to find your identity, speak with conviction, or even organize your life. And Rachel had to learn this, but this all started for her growing up. Her yeah. mom had no boundaries, pressed on her all the time. She felt like she had to earn mother's love, and that's the same principle that she took to the relationship with Eric. She started off trying to buy this guy things, trying to win him over in all of these different ways, and she didn't learn how to have boundaries because of her original models. Right. And that desperately affected her adulthood. It, it, impacted, big, it impacted it big time. And that's one thing I taught her in the Boundaries chapter. She learned how to stop these destructive patterns. She learned how to set boundaries, and that started with her building herself from the inside out. And you know, like I do, so many people, what do we do? We base who we are on the car that we drive, on whether people love us or whether we're successful, and those things can change uh, easily oh, yeah. every day, Tomorrow. right? Yep. That's right. And, and for Rachel, she had to learn how to find her intrinsic value and that's defining her self-concept on very specific things that's internal to her. Huge. What do I do, just as we wrap mm-hmm. this up, um, sure. Nathaniel, what do I do? Let's say that I've had an anger issue. I'm, I want, I'm going to get your book. I want to get into this and start learning how to take control of this. What, what, how do you suggest that I, I kind of go back to my family mm-hmm. and tell them what I've learned and you know, recommit. And, and, and I guess that's the contract. Yeah, it really is. And there's other strategies in here. Like what I coach people on, if you want to work on this in the privacy of your home, do it over about 16 weeks and do one to two exercises every week and really focus on answering the questions and do it sequentially. I tell people in the book, don't just run through or pick the chapters that you want. Go through it chapter by chapter because, Matt, this thing has been converted into an anger management program. We call it the Temper Tamers Program. And I've written the book in a way that will help people to address each area of their lives. And the other thing is, once they go through that, it will coach them on the things that they need to do with the people in their life that they care about, one of which is being accountable. That's great. You know? Okay, here's the deal. Last thing. Yep. What's the one thing? So of everything you've taught us, what is the one key 
kind of, if we have to start somewhere, right. what's the one universal kind of principle that would get us started on healing our temper? I think the number one thing is to admit that there's a problem. Admit and denial is a, is a huge deceiver. Yep. And, and I think that's the first step. You've got to admit that something's wrong, and you've got to start with accountability. That's where it all starts. In fact, in our groups, Matt, that's where we start everybody out at. It starts with accountability and acknowledging that you have a problem that needs to be addressed. Perfect. Admit it. Admit it. Quit denying it. We have been talking to Nathaniel Smith. Nathaniel, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your time, too, guys. I had a a really nice time here talking about this subject. I love talking about this, as you can tell. Oh, no, and you're passionate, but you're also, I love it, too, because Skyboy is a whole different guy now. He's relaxed. And he's already admitted that he's got a problem during That's the break. Good, good Changing job, my life. Guy, boy. Thank you. That's it. Thank Starts you. with accountability, guys. That's right. Half the, we're halfway there. Uh, go check out um, Nathaniel's book, Taming Your Temper, a workbook for individuals, couples, and groups. You can go to his website, nathanielsmithcounselor.com, or just go straight to Amazon and look up Taming Your Temper. Nathaniel, again, thank you so much. We'll have you back on to pick your brain yeah, that again. sounds great. You're the best. We'll be back uh, with more to wrap up the show. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Ask Matt um, from the Internet. We're going to take some of your questions. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Did you leave BYU without a degree? We'd had a few years where, where farming had been very difficult. My wife and I had decided that you know we were at an end with our farming career. That decision to sell the farm was really a turning point in my life. In church, there was a poster from the Bachelor of General Studies program, and we decided to enroll. I see that it has blessed me in the life of our family. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Eric Dowdle is a renowned artist who paints pictures about unique cultures and locales every weeknight on BYU Radio. On Traveling with Eric Dowdle, you'll discover hidden gems through the eyes of locals, including the kinds of things you just can't miss. Listen to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, another great BYU Radio program to color your world. Find it on Sirius XM Channel 143. BYU Radio, talk about good. How did BYU Radio end up with a rock and roll show? It was time to just let our hair down and just play whatever we want to play. Catch Through the Garage Door Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 11 p.m. Eastern for a look into what's good in rock and roll. Only here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we're talking temper, tantrums, anger management, how to control your emotions. And so our very own Bryce Tobin has gone to the interweb and found a question about what? About, well, there's this couple. Uh, yes. They've been married. A married couple. They've been married. Okay. And uh, they had a fight recently. And it was a, a rather intense one. And uh, it was over. It was over something minor, which is always. I, I feel like that's what, how most big fights start. Always the case. Um, but 
but they had this this fight um and afterwards she she went to her she went to her husband to to ask him okay well apparently something went wrong this morning could we could we talk about it a lot could we figure of what out what's up our good guest was just telling us he me. exploded boom uh he got worse he he started yelling screaming in front of the kid mm. um saying things like uh Calling her her fat. Yeah, don't ever her lazy. Call her fat or lazy. Um, I guess she's as and and then so she she looks at things and she she figures out that there's kind of this pattern that her husband won't. They don't have like a fight once a month. It seems like they have one gigantic fight. <laughs> that that the source is from him. He explodes like every four or five months, and it's yeah. always things from months ago. And and she's kind of noticing a pattern. And this time it got worse. And so her question is: the pattern seems to be getting worse. Yeah, he doesn't seem to talk about it, and he seems to just do a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde kind right. of thing. Um, and should she be worried about the uh, this pattern that's emerging? <sighs> yes. Next question. Um, that's a great question. And I, I bet just as people are out there listening, they're thinking, oh, that is, that's my marriage. Because that pattern is one of the most common patterns that exists in all, uh, all marriages. I mean, it, it's, it's one of the highest predictors of marital distress and divorce. And it's exactly what we were just getting into here with Nathaniel Smith. So is it something to worry about? Yes, because here's the pattern. There tends to be somebody we call the pursuer. There also tends to be someone we call the withdrawer. The withdrawer is the one that wants to not have this conversation. The pursuer is the one that might push on it a little bit. She's describing, though, eventually what happens is her husband kind of goes off. It's about every four months or so. Now, here's the way we fix this, though. We don't fix it in the fight. I've never seen a fight actually fix anything. I've seen the fight just kind of exacerbate it. So we have to figure out, just like Nathaniel was talking about earlier, we have to make some some rules up front for how we're going to handle these situations. I call it when we're getting hijacked, when we're emotionally or chemically charged and we're being flooded by all this chemistry. The minute the chemistry starts, one of us becomes a fighter, one becomes a flighter. Eventually, if you corner somebody that wants out of a fight, if you corner them, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to jump out the window which means the ultimate withdrawal, or they're going to come back and give you the biggest hi-ya ninja kick right to the goiter, wherever that is, in the neck. And um, the minute that all goes down, then we're going to keep fighting. It'll explode, and then we'll end up withdrawing from each other, and the issue will go unresolved. That's the pattern. That's what happens in about 90% of marriages that end in divorce. They see the pattern. There's that, that pattern along with two other things. Reactivity, highly reactive people, meaning people that have a reaction to this fight-or-flight instinct and don't notice it. And the third thing are people that are negative interpreters that tend to only look for the ugly in each other. Those three things combined have about a 90% divorce rate, according to some researchers. So, yeah, I would worry about it. And what I would do is I would I would not put it on yourself. I wouldn't put it on him. I wouldn't blame him like he's the problem of all of your issues. I would say, and I would probably do it in the calm uh, after the storm, I would say, hey, babe, I've noticed that you and I have this weird pattern where I tend to really frustrate you a lot. Eventually you go off, you get mad, I get mad, and we fight about something silly. 
would you be willing to work with me to find a way to handle this and to do it in a better way? And don't. And what I would try to do is not actually talk about. I would like try to separate the issue from you and hold it out from you and put it away from you and say, look, together we do that. What can we do to make it better? And that's where I would probably go grab a book like Nathaniel Smith's. I'd get online. If you go to matttownsend.com, you can get a ton of videos and other tools you can look at, just videos you can watch. Um, they're all free. You can go to my – just go to my website, matttownsend.com, and um, start watching and learning skills. There's a bunch of skills like – starting to notice what I call the vital signs. The vital signs are when you see a lot of negative emotion, a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of mistrust. When you see those three things, that's a sign we probably need a time out, as Nathaniel Smith was just talking about. I would also go get, if it's starting to escalate, or if you see that these are happening more than one uh, or four months apart, if it's like, it's like contractions, once you're having your contractions more regularly, then it's probably time to really go get some real intervention. One of the things I'm also just amazed about is how few people go get help and get like clinical help. Go take a class on having a conversation. Go take a class on anger management. Go take a go go figure out and make a list together of all of the things that when you've had a conversation that you thought was going to go crazy but that turned out well. Or where have you been able to talk through an issue before without it getting crazy? Go start identifying what works and make a big list of what works. And get help. Do not wait. There's a bunch of great books out there you can get. Um, Again, one is called Difficult Conversations. One is called Crucial Conversations. Tons of great resources out there. But don't give up. And get educated. Get smart. That's what it's about. So um, good stuff. We learned a lot. Skyboy, you healthier? You happier? So much happier and healthier. Bryce, you lose your temper? Never. It's no. I know. Okay. I know to control it. Now you need to pull over and breathe through your nose. Breathe through my nose. So whenever I see you breathing keep, through your keep nose, keep my blood out of my hands. That's right. Keep your hands above your head. That's just if the highway patrol pull you over. <laughs> hands above your head. Thanks for joining us, folks. Drive safely out there in listener land, and uh, join us again tomorrow with more great ideas, tools to give you a leg up in life. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM One Forty Three BYU Radio.